This is the Urban Political, the podcast on urban theory, research, and activism. So, thank you for tuning in today for our episode on revolutionary movements in Algeria and Lebanon in times of the pandemia. We welcome today Ratiba and Rana to provide us with insights on these movements that have come to a head in 2019 and that are now faced with managing the COVID-19 threat. Rana and Ratiba, um, please let our listeners know who you are, where you're based and what you usually work on. Hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, Marcus and Ross for giving us this opportunity. My name is Rana Sukkarie. I am uh, a fifth year a PhD uh, candidate, currently writing my dissertation on how transnational social movements build sustained solidarity. And I'm specifically focusing on the Palestinian boycott, divestment, and sanction, the BDS movement in Toronto. Uh, currently, I am uh, based in uh, Beirut, in Lebanon, where I'm teaching uh, at the American University of Beirut. And my research interests are mainly in the context of uh, social movement in, of the Middle East, transnational social movements, and critical uh, qualitative uh, methods. Okay. Um, my name is Ratiba Hajmusa, and I am professor in the Department of Sociology at York University. Um, I am mainly interested in the ways in which the political uh, is taught, but specifically in terms of how uh, the political is related to the ordinary. Um, uh, so I am, uh, have been working on public, uh, public spheres, uh, ma mainly uh, public spheres uh, as related to satellite televisions uh, and inquiring uh, about how small acts can be uh, prefigurative to um, major political events. Um, so this is the kind of uh, uh, transversal kind of work on the political. Uh, have been working on uh, the the voice of the peripheries uh, coming out from uh, regional and uh, remote areas um, and the contestations and the, the, the protests uh, specifically of the unemployed in Southern Algeria. And uh, I am interested in various, uh, uh, I would say topics, specifically uh, the political and uh, the, um, the the forms of the political now specific uh, now in terms also in institutions uh, institute how the political is uh, um, framed by the institutions and the response to to it from uh, various uh, um, uh, groups in the society and also I. I'm also interested in uh, memory, public memories, and uh, and alternative memories. And I'm based in Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. Great. Thank you uh, for your introductions. Um, 
Today I'm here with uh, my colleague Ross Beveridge. My name is Markus Kipp and um, to get us started uh, I'd like you to um, give us uh, a short story of uh, the revolutionary movements, uh, the, the most recent movements in Algeria and Lebanon. Um, to, uh, I'd like to hear uh, a bit more about the larger context in which they have emerged, uh, a bit about who the actors are, what their goals are, and the tactics that are employed. And uh, maybe focusing for now on the time uh, 2019 prior to the COVID situation about which we're going to talk about later. Okay, I will start. Um, I think um, the the movement uh, which we which we call Hirak in Algeria is a movement that uh, started actually in uh, a small uh, small uh, mid kind of average uh, cities uh, in uh, the eastern part of Algeria and. The movement was against the fifth term for the presidency of uh, uh, President uh, Bouteflika, who was uh, has been president for four terms. So, uh, uh, as you know, President Bouteflika was sick uh, and uh, couldn't even uh, perform his duties. And so I think most of the reactions were against the fact that he was uh, still pre presenting himself or as a candidate. And that was uh, the first kind of reactions uh, in the small, in small cities. You, you need to know that uh, in, um, this was possible because uh, uh, this occurred actually in small cities because the centers like Algiers, uh, uh, was uh, completely blocked, uh, and so that is uh, the demonstrations were not allowed. Any kind of demonstration, even small demonstrations, were uh, completely uh, shut off by the police. And so that was uh, the opportunity came from what I call the peripheries. And so the peripheries became one of the major force, political force. Uh, uh, in Algeria at that time. So what can I say about the reasons? The reasons were not only economic, because we tend to think that people uh, react uh, in those countries because, of, uh, because they, are, they don't have enough uh, resource, economic resources. Yes, but in, I think most of the... the the claims of this, uh, the Hirak, uh, are political. And they were asking for democratic reforms, uh, including the changes of the constitutions. And that gave actually uh, gave uh, full power to the president and uh, deprived the parliament of any kind of decisions. Uh, the end of corruptions, which is also uh, linked to uh, the economic sectors and to what people there call the oligarch. 
uh, and uh, they were ask also asking for free associations and uh, the abolitions of the regimes of uh, authorizations to the associations, those free associative uh, organizations. So uh, as you, uh, you, you may uh, need to know that in, two th in, in, in um, 2012, there was a change, uh, a major change uh, to the uh, creation of the associate, uh, associations. So that is civil societies, uh, uh, groups. And so, and they were subjected to uh, uh, what they call an agreement, which is an authorization from the authorities. And this was a very uh, big uh, obstacle to create anything uh, uh, at uh, at the social level or economic level or even the political level, uh, the uh, the also the the possibility for political parties to meet because there was it was very hard for political parties to meet and to uh, have uh, uh, meetings with the populations and so and and have the possibility also to uh, the claims to demonstrate freely in the cities when it's uh when it's when the the population or the groups decided for so that's what the uh, at the political level there was there was also a, an economic level to it because since specifically since 2014 uh that is uh, that corresponded to the fourth term of the presidency of Botaflika uh the the kind of the economy kind of stopped and from 2014 to 2019 there was almost nothing there was a blockage uh everything uh, uh, uh dropped uh, out such as for example the foreign reserve uh, reserve assets uh in in 19 in 2013 there was uh the algeria had uh one uh, one hundred ninety four millions in foreign uh, in foreign reserves. Uh, that is uh, that means the capacity for Algeria to import for three years. Uh, in two thousand and nineteen and nineteen, it had um, the, the 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 number dropped, and it was the reserves of only eighty. Uh, million US dollars, which is very, very, uh, very important, uh, actually, uh, a, a drop. So, um, uh, in terms of the economy, uh, I would say I would I would start with the employed because these are very important to me uh, and I think to Algerians as well. Um, there were about one million and uh, and five hundred uh, thousand unemployed. And among them, 29% uh, youth uh, from, that is from uh, the age of uh, 16 to 24. And most of them, half of them were, had, uh, were graduates. So you also have to uh, keep in mind that uh, the public uh, sector, which was a major employer in the past, uh, uh, was, is falling apart. And uh, it's um, the, the 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 sector has a really st a structural problems, 
and the 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 capacity of productions uh, was uh, under kind of used. Uh, there was an underuse of the the pr production capacity, which was evaluated in two thousand and nineteen at forty nine percent, which is uh, half of the possibilities. Um, we have to add to this that there is a private sector, and the private sector is. Uh, uh, is um, is uh, very slow to to take off. Uh, this is due to the weight of bureaucracy, uh, uh, corruptions, and, and the lobby of the importers. So the lobby of the importers. Because in Algeria there is a joke, and it says like importer importers, l'import import, which means that there is we just import, but we don't export. It's not an economy of exportation or export economy, sorry. Um, uh, just to give you some, uh, a number of the, 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 the private sectors, uh, the structure of the private sectors, uh, and uh, it, it's, it's, uh, there is about 90% uh, of small, uh, small family companies. Most of them are operating in the informal sectors. There are also big companies, like private companies, but uh, it's mainly in building in public work sectors. So, you know, the big infrastructures, uh, roads and, and uh, buildings, but they're not independent. They, they are actually very much related to uh, the politic, uh, political uh, elite and uh, most of them at the present time, most of these, uh, what they call oligarchs, are in prisons because uh, they were uh, linked to uh, the, uh, I would say, invasive, uh, strong corruptions in, in Algeria. So this is what actually, uh, these are the, the different uh, elements or reasons that triggered the, the, the uprisings. But you have also to, we have also to add a very important element, which is a, psycholo a psychological element, uh, or uh, so, so like a subjective element. And this was uh, the feeling of uh, uh, of, uh, of Algerian, if, uh, like uh, feeling that they they are humiliated. They were humiliated. They felt uh, the fifth terms of Bouteflika as a, as a huge humiliation. And I think this is, uh, this is the reason for which the people started the Hirak. And uh, it's, uh, I can talk about uh, the unfolding of the Hirak later on, but uh, I, I'm just ask, uh, answering your questions about the reasons and what, what, uh, what triggered the, the Hirak in 2019. Thank you, Ratiba. Just a curiosity, what does Hirak mean? Hirak means movement in, in Arabic. Uh, That's the thing. So we, we, there is a Hirak in, uh, in, uh, in Morocco as well, a very important one. Uh, it's, it means movement. It doesn't mean... It's, it's, a kind of, it's not a social movement. It's in this case, for the, for the Algerian Hirak, it's not a social movement. It's a popular movement. It's different because it's it's a, it includes all all the 
I would say, the different affiliations, the different political affiliations and sensibilities. That is, the youth, not affiliated, most of the time they're not affiliated politically, but also it includes uh, some, some parties, not other parties, because the parties was also kind of, there was, uh, they, they were not accepted necessarily in the Hirak, specifically at the beginning, because they were seen as the, the hand of the regime. The, the right hand of the regime. And uh, uh, so the youth, uh, some uh, uh, left associations, uh, and also the, the FIS, uh, uh, which is the Le Front Islamique du Salut, which is the Islamic uh, Front of Salvation that was forbidden in 1992 and actually uh, also triggered the civil war. But you could find also those uh, the the, um, the the members, the former members, not the not the the responsibles, but the former members of the uh, the the fees in in the groups. And what it was interesting is that uh, this uh, popular protest uh, had uh, uh, some one objective is to get rid of the. The, the regime uh, um, and despite the differences because Algerians were I would say um, um, divided on the basis of those uh, different ideologies but also the regimes the political regimes played on those divisions and make them and make the, the the coalitions or any kind of uh, working together impossible. So the Hirak, in fact, is a, has been very successful in putting together all these uh, political uh, sensibilities. Thank you, Ratiba. Rana, do you want to continue um, with your account on Lebanon? Sure, yeah. So uh, on the 17th of October, what became the eventful event uh, I'm using the social movement lit, uh, uh, terminologies. Uh, on that day, the government decided to impose new taxes in its uh, proposed uh, 2020 budget, including a $6 monthly tax on WhatsApp calls, which is uh, widely used among citizens in Lebanon because it's relatively cheap. So it immediately after the news announced that this is the proposed uh, uh, budget, uh, proposed new taxes, there was an unprecedented popular uprising across all the cities in Lebanon, all the geographies, and uh, it included almost a multiplicity of identities, of different sects, of generation, young, old people, and different political affiliations. So that day, and then the next day, uh, actually the next, maybe I would say a couple of days, um, the protesters on the street reached almost 1 million in a country that has 6 million citizens, which is huge. So, but it's very important to know that uh, 17th October, two days before that, the government was unable to, uh, uh, to extinguish 
massive forest fires in the Lebanese mountains because the firefighting planes were not maintained. So which is a sign of corruption. And this also the 17th of October uh, uh, happened after several weeks of a devaluation of the Lebanese currency in the black market and few very short-lived strikes in essential sectors such as the fuel or the bakery sector. So it's not really the WhatsApp, the, the $6 uh, monthly tax on WhatsApp calls that, uh, uh, that led to this uprising. But in reality, it is, uh, it, uh, there has been ongoing protests and strikes for years uh, that led to this eruption of the, in the current uprising. In terms, of, uh, in terms of the demands, the demands are definitely rooted in uh, a lot of socioeconomic malaise, uh, where um, since the post-war era, so Lebanon had witnessed a civil war uh, for 15 years between 1975 and 1990, and then the post-war reconstruction era adopted a lot of neoliberal policies, that focused on the uh, on the construction, on the rebuilding of the heavily destroyed infrastructures. They focused on the roads, on the financial touristic sector, privatization of major industries. At the same time, they were neglecting all investment in productive sectors. They were neglecting um, um, the investment in uh, public sector, including public schools and public health, for example. So as a result of these policies, the governments were able, the recurring governments since the 1990s, they adopted overborrowing policies, mainly from the local banks and banks and at very high interest rate. So this led the economy to enter in a vicious circle where the governments were obliged to borrow new loans to finance the interest of the previous loans. So put it, to put it in figures, just to give you an idea, the debt uh, in Lebanon grew from 50% uh, of GDP in 1993 to 150% of the GDP in 2018. So one of the crises we have, because we do have multiple crises in Lebanon uh, coming together, um, one of the crises we have is this economic crisis uh, where do we do have very high debt. Uh, another one is the financial crisis where um, the government decided, adopted a policy of, um, of stabilizing the Lebanese, pegging the Lebanese uh, currency to the US dollar and stabilizing it at 1,500 lira per dollar since 1997. But in reality, this stabilization was really fake. Uh, and um, and uh, it led to the deterioration of the currency that we are witnessing at the moment. Uh, another reason that why we had this, uh, like in general, I'm, I'm discussing why we had this uprising is similar, somehow similar to Algeria as well. We do have high level of unemployment among young Lebanese. We do have high underemployment, especially among university degree holders. 
dysfunctional economy, there's increased level of corruption, and there's lack of accountability. Uh, increased level of corruption, it's not only about, so the, the corruption took many, many forms. So for example, it can be direct or indirect theft, but it can be also a conflict of interest. So just to give you an example about the conflict of interest. So as I mentioned before that um, most of the uh, financing for the reconstruction uh, of Lebanon after the war came from uh, from the Lebanese banks that are owned, the shareholder of the Lebanese banks uh, are mainly owned by the political families that control Lebanon. So there is a study done by, uh, by Dr. Shaban, who's a Lebanese economist, who shows that eight political families, only eight, they control 32% of the commercial banking sector total assets. So if I look at this, this is a form of, uh, of course there's conflict of interest and this is a form of corruption because here we have uh, people that vote and that promote and vote for uh, uh, getting loans from banks that they themselves they own. So there is this entrenched corruption and um, at the same time, the corruption was, uh, uh, we can definitely say that it is the main endemic problem in the country and a country that is deeply divided among uh, sects. So we have 18 sects in Lebanon, different political affiliations. And after the war, they have agreed that we want to, um, to have the power sharing uh, system in Lebanon. So power sharing arrangement for all the state resources. So this is a small country uh, with all the diverse religious and partisan groups, including some war militias, they have agreed that uh, this whole pie, we want to divide it among ourselves, which solidified the religious sectarianism. And this religious sectarianism was uh, cascaded down to everything, actually. So if I look, for example, at the unions, when you think that you say, oh, where are the unions? Can they be in, um, uh, uh, can they defy what the government is doing? We look at that the, the unions have been manipulated and co-opted by the political parties, which they have been totally paralyzed and they totally diverged, diverted their, their interest from protecting the workers into serving the competing political parties and so on. Uh, so, these, uh, so we have neoliberal policies, we have high debt. Uh, since last year, no, not last year, 2000, maybe 17, we started witnessing as well, uh, as somehow some um, the, um, deterioration in the financial sector, and more specifically, uh, Lebanon is an import country, like, like Ratiba said about Algeria, it is the same for Lebanon, almost 80% of the food, for example, we imported from outside, so we have to pay in US dollar. And the US dollar, usually we get a lot of um, 
uh, most of the of the money you get uh, is from the remittances of uh, Lebanese that are outside Lebanon. So they send to their home, to their families here, and these remittances have uh, decreased in the last few years for many reasons. One of them can be attributed to the uh, global recession that we did not really uh, overcome since 2008, uh, 2008 crisis. So people, let's say Lebanese that are in the Arab Gulf, um, they, are, they are not sending money as they used to send in the past to their parents. So that's one. But also another reason is that uh, the American alleged war on terror, quote unquote, uh, has definitely uh, impacted Lebanon. So um, they have been monitoring all the remittances that, uh, that the Lebanese uh, diaspora, especially in African countries, where uh, they usually send um, their money here to Lebanon, and because they have done, they have imposed some sanctions on supporters of a Lebanese party, which is Hezbollah, um, and that has uh, impacted the amount of remittances coming to here, coming to Lebanon as well. And so, all of these, we need to take that into consideration. And um, that's why we have 17 October, we have the uprising. And in terms of terminology, some people call it uprising, some people call it Hirak movement, or some people call it revolution, Thawra. There's still no real agreement on that, depends on what exactly uh, do you see. So this is the, if you want, the socioeconomic, um, uh, roots of this uprising. Um, 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 I think uh, there is there is something that I would like to add in here that I um, I um, I didn't mention, and it's the 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 2011, uh, and it's related to uh, the Arab uh, Spring, and it's actually. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, it's a coincidence or not, but uh, I would say the Arab Spring started in Algeria because uh, uh, in 2011, um, in January 2011, uh, uh, there was uh, there were a lot of riots, and as uh, my work is on riots, actually, um, uh, I worked a little bit on 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 riots, and so in 2011. There were riots against the price of uh, of the price of sugar and flour, and very quickly uh, the uh, political regime uh, decided to um, um, to give to subsidize because uh, what you have to to um, uh, what we have to keep in mind is that Algeria is a little bit different from uh, Lebanon in this uh, in this case because most of the most of the, the goods are uh, subsidized, and um, there is a very important social net. Uh, Algeria being uh, one of the countries that have, for example, achieved uh, universal primary educations uh, with even 90, 70% primary net enrollment 
uh, rate as uh, the numbers in 2011 uh, uh, mentioned. But just to say that there were there was an uprising in 2011, and subsequent to this uprising, the regime decided to, uh, in a in a way that was absolutely um, non-conform even to any kind of rationality, but uh, rationality of a regime that felt that people started to react. And that uh, they, to appease the, the fire, they started to distribute, uh, to distribute the, the money specifically to youth to, in programs, in uh, uh, employment uh, youth programs that had absolutely no, no impact uh, on, the, on the unemployment. Um, and that was uh, that created a deficit, a, budge, a budget deficit that is that Algeria is still actually experiencing right now. And so, with the with the fact that uh, Algeria is a is a Algerian uh, economy is highly dependent on hydrocarbons and also on uh, global oil and, and gas prices. So that uh, since uh, 2013, 14, the price, uh, the oil prices uh, started to to go down from 100 dollars uh, US US dollars uh, a barrel. Uh, now it's now, nowadays it's a 30 dollars. So if you want the the government or the political regime, I would call it this way, cannot compensate. And um, they're going like they're experiencing a lot of troubles. Uh, add to that, as Rana said, uh, the corruption is uh, even invasive. It's uh, it's uh, and lack of of, of accountability uh, uh, actually created a, 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 an important uh, sentiment of untrust. So people don't trust anything that comes from the government. That's that's what I wanted to say. You already, Ratiba especially, I think, mentioned something about the spatialities uh, of the protest in, in terms of it being uh, more focused on the periphery and uh, smaller cities due to, um, uh, uh, I think, a, a less strong or, or dominant kind of uh, uh, police presence or, or presence of the state. Um, could you say a little bit more about... Uh, the forms of protest, uh, uh, as well as the spatialities uh, in both of the countries? Sure. Um, so, um, it's, historically speaking, uh, uh, I would say that since 2008 or 2009, um, uh, or even, uh, even before 2009, 2001, uh, there was uh, the um, the demands from uh, the the Berbers, what we call the Berbers, Amazir uh, in 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 uh, in Algerians, and it's now we use the word Amazir to speak about the Berber Berber groups. So there was a, a claims demands for a recognitions of the Berber language and culture and in 2001 there was uh, the the group uh, of the berbers that are located which we call the kabils from kabilia located in eastern algeria 
uh, actually demanded and formed um, uh, some uh, even grassroots uh, groups and, and political groups to uh, demand this, uh, uh, the, the, to, 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 to make those claims. And they organized an important uh, march in 2001 um, that actually was subsequent to also a death of, uh, of a young uh, student. And they wanted to march uh, towards Algiers from the east to the west, to the, to the center. But they were, they were blocked by, uh, of course, the police forces and other, other groups. Um, and that was a major important uh, event, even if it was not acknowledged as a very important uh, event. So you could see already the protest coming from the uh, from the peripheries as i call them and um and the center the cities the big cities specifically Algiers, was completely controlled by the police not only the normal i would say regular police but also the security police uh in 2014 in Algiers, there was this movement called barakat which means enough uh, that uh, 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 was organized against the, f the fourth uh, terms for the Bouteflika's presidencies. They let them do what they wanted to do. That, that means they let them go to the streets, demonstrate in small groups. But they were, um, they were uh, this group, the Barakat group, was in, in many ways uh, surrounded and controlled at a certain moment uh, specifically, uh, the the day of, before the elections, they were totally uh, kind of broken, put in prison, and 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 uh, all their members, the the leaders, they were in prison, including women. At that time, we there were women who were very much involved in that movement. So, every single uh, demonstrations or protests. In this, in the center, which means in this, the urban centers, were uh, either controlled, uh, they were completely dismantled. Uh, their 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 leaders were not only put in prison, or just put in prison and a little bit uh, threatened, but also they uh, were um, depicted by uh, the media. As you know, in Algeria, the media uh, are not uh, state-controlled uh, by the media as um, as being uh, working with the enemies, with working what we call the foreign ants. Most of the time, they use uh, la main étrangère to explain the protests that are actually very much internal, and coming from uh, internal, very genuine uh, protests. So that was, uh, I, I think, and this is my hypothesis, is that, or I contend actually, that because of that control over the centers, over the capital and also big cities, the protest actually uh, was in certain ways possible uh, to emerge um, from, it was possible to the protest to emerge from, uh, from these uh, peripheries. 
I just also want to add something to that. Um, um, in 2011 as well, um, the unemployed movement started its actions, but it's only in 2013 that actually they, uh, they uh, built a very uh, sustainable, I would say, movement that was not authorized. Huh? Uh, it was not authorized. And that movement actually emerged from the South. And it was the first time that uh, uh, people from the South uh, protested uh, uh, in, a, in a, such a huge, important uh, demonstrations. So uh, in, in, in many ways, they were very successful. Um, however, in terms of impact, uh, they were not. There is. We cannot see the impact of uh, in, in terms of employment. There were some, you know, policies that um, uh, uh, were um, initiated uh, and that uh, loads uh, some uh, the, the youth from the south to be employed on these big in these big companies, oil companies. Uh, however. Uh, the problem is uh, of employment is so important that the, the there was it was in, it was impossible to absorb all the demands. So to get back to the question, um, and so there there were a lot of um, signs from small cities uh, and and from from small remote regions uh, were uh, that shows that. Uh, there was a, a discontent with the regime. And of course, as you know, um, it's only when the center, what I call the center, that is the capital, uh, 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 reacts that we can see uh, this, um, the, this little uh, signs that come from, uh, from the, the different regions. And I can give a lot of, lot of examples about those uh, manifestations from uh, the small cities that were not necessarily taken into account, but at, at uh, it's it's a kind of a cumulative uh, 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 movement. Where um, I'm not saying that it's a cumulative from uh, one to to ten, but I am saying that it's it's uh, you accumulate in a not uh, in a very um, uh, non-organized way uh, those uh, different. Uh, protests, those different demands that actually at a certain moment uh, 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 crystallized in, uh, in the movement against the, the fifth terms uh, for the presidency and finally uh, spread out and expands to other types of demands. Okay, in the context of Lebanon, uh, like similar to Algeria, uh, it would be um, unwise to look at uh, 17th October as being the moment or the event that uh, that erupted out of nowhere. So, no, there has been a lot of uh, ongoing protests and strikes since years. Uh, but if, in, if I need to look at them in terms of urban-rural divide or different geographical locations, most of them were in the city, uh, in the main cities. Um, don't forget that Lebanon is totally different. Lebanon is very small compared to Algeria. Actually, it's a very small country. So if from the, uh, from the 
farthest uh, points in Lebanon to Beirut, that's like one hour and a half or two hour drive or, or to the other main cities. So most of the uh, movements were mainly concentrated in the main cities. But if I need to look at the protests and the strikes that were going on for years, these were either, um, uh, they, they were mainly sector specific. So for example, there has been a strike for uh, secondary uh, teachers, uh, for, uh, uh, for teachers of uh, secondary level, or there has been strikes for the university faculty. So it was very specific demands for specific sectors. Uh, also since years, there has been very sporadic, uh, maybe few protests here and there, but that would not be uh, big enough to say that this led to the 17th of October uprising, but definitely they did uh, crystallized, they added up exactly like Ratiba explained, they accumulated and this cumulative protest led to the uprising itself. But it's more city-centric city, uh, in Lebanon. I also want to say that uh, it's also the same thing, like uh, I, I haven't uh, talked about the strikes and different strikes. There, there were um, uh, thousands of strikes, sectorial strikes between, I'd say, 2009-2019. And also the, with the creation um, of the independent union, what we call the auto, les syndicats autonomes, that were actually, in fact, very much, uh, uh, in many ways, deprived uh, by kind of their political actions by the regimes. But they were very successful, specifically uh, in the education sector, where they uh, led very, very important strikes and uh, also uh, marches uh, from, let's say, Kabylia to Algiers. Uh, but they were stopped by the police, of course. But uh, this is a very important thing. But I also want to say something about gender here. Um, because, as you know, the education sector is a, a very uh, gendered uh, sector. Women uh, played a very important role in, uh, in those uh, strikes, with the exception, I would say, for the uh, unemployed, uh, huge demonstrations in the southern uh, regions. There were not that many women in there. But with that exception, uh, women played a very important role uh, in those uh, different strikes, but also in the Hirak, and specifically young women. And so uh, for the first time, it was even moving, um, it was even moving to see young women for the first time uh, voicing their concerns. And what was even uh, incredible! It was like a, a, an Islamist who was taking the mic for these women, for these students who were claiming the right to speak and the right to decide for their future. So, um, and this was in the middle, in the center of Algiers and in the center of other uh, 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 cities. So, it's it's we cannot uh, now really assess. 
the, the importance of the, the Hirab for the moment in general. But we can say that, that uh, the actions, those actions, those uh, even small acts are so, have in many ways changed, uh, changed the ways in which we could see uh, gender uh, and women's um, participation to uh, these events. Ran, is, the, is, the, um, uh, is it possible to say anything comparable or, 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 is it, or could you just compare the, the situation around gender uh, in Lebanon? Yeah, sure. Actually, it is um, it, uh, definitely it's very comparable to Algeria. So uh, in the last uprising, 17 October uprising, there has been, uh, you know, just looking at the streets and seeing the number of young people and women specifically in the street was really astonishing. So even to the extent that there has been a couple of uh, uh events during the uh, during the uprising where they specifically uh, discussed a thawra unsa a thawra unsa means the revolution is a woman so they really focus there has been marches that were only led by women there has been marches where for example in one uh, area where during the civil war, there has been a lot of clashes between different sects in that area. And following uh, some tension after the 17th of October uh, in that area, only just some uh, vocal tension between uh, young people, the mothers in these two areas decided that we want to make a march, that we are all in this together and we are looking to build our future together. So it was totally a women-only march, uh, mainly a women-only march, and led by the women. So what was really astonishing also during the 17th of October uprising is the number of young uh, high school students and university students on the streets. So there has been, they called for days um, where they will not go to school, they just uh, leave their school and they go on the streets. That was really moving because in a context where the young people are often accused of being apolitical or or, uh, of being accused of not having a good, uh, maybe political education and consciousness there, uh, the number of uh, these young uh, students on the street was really overwhelming. It, it is promising that no, they are interested because <clears throat> one of their slogans, for example, we want to stay here, we don't want to migrate because we have this issue where every, every Lebanese, uh, whenever they graduate and whenever they have the opportunity to leave the country, they leave it. So this was a, a, a dominant slogan, for example, among young people um, uh, that we want to stay here. In terms of uh, women, as I said, like it's the, the, that's not to say, okay, do not, do not misunderstand me that women were not present in the previous protests and strikes. No, they were present. 
but their presence during the 17th of October was definitely more visible. Okay, I just wanted to say something about the Hirak itself and uh, the, 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 the gender, I would say, uh, problematic in the Hirak because uh, not everything was uh, easy, um, actually, even for women, because uh, when the Hirak started uh, uh, in, in February uh, 22nd, uh, 2019, uh, uh, the first Fridays, the first Fridays, women started uh, like uh, constituted what they called the feminist square or le carré feminist, as other groups also uh, constituted their squares, um, and they w- they were attacked by young uh, men. And actually, what happens was that this uh, uh, provoked um, an outrage, a very uh, big reaction, and. Uh, and um, many actually men uh, reacted to that and uh, helped to kind of, so to speak, protect the uh, feminist square. And from that moment, uh, the feminists actually, and, and women, and uh, were, if, if not, uh, uh, I would say, uh, the major participants, I would say even the leaders, there is something that uh, we, when someone who doesn't know the situation cannot see. If there was uh, demonstrations, uh, only a male demonstrations, I can tell you that the Herak wouldn't have la- lasted as it has lasted for a year or so. And it's still going on in different forms. Uh, the COVID-19 didn't allow it, but uh, those big demonstrations, but... Um, if there was, they were not women. They were not families with children. Uh, I, I, I can, uh, one can say that one hundred almost percent that, if not one hundred and fifty percent, that the Hirak would not have been possible. Would not have um, lasted at all. So at the beginning, then there was a tension, but uh, uh, that tension. Uh, kind of faded because there was a kind, as I told you, um, uh, a coalition uh, and a discussions around the main objective of the Hirak. And secondly, I would add, uh, because Rana referred to um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the high school, I would say a student who also uh, participated to the Lebanese Hirak, um, I would say that uh, the students plays, uh, played a very important role in the Herak. They were actually, uh, I would say, uh, the, the flame of the Friday's uh, general demonstrations. And their demonstration uh, happened uh, every Tuesdays. And, and, uh, and, uh, the, uh, the, of course, the students were mixed uh, men and, and, and females, but you could, the females also were uh, their presence and their um, uh, participations was so uh, impressive that uh, that this influence influenced or had an impact on the big Friday's demonstrations. Thank you um, both. So. Can we move to the current um, situation marked by the COVID-19 threat? And uh, um, I would 
like you to tell us a bit about how this um, threat is unfolding in, in your respective context and how do the actors um, involved both movement and the state respond uh, to the situation and how has it changed the dynamics of contestation? Uh, so one of the specificities of, I would say, the arrival of the COVID-19 in Algeria was that it happened uh, already in Europe. So they were uh, witnessing what was happening in, in particular in Italy and in France. So uh, the, the, the political uh, or the government actually organized, they organized uh, uh, very quickly a kind of confinement or social uh, uh, distancing, but uh, confinement. And um, I want to speak about the impact of this confinement on the economy because we don't have the numbers. We know that there are millions, um, thousands of um, Uh, of, of, uh, of, of, of jobs that might be lost. But uh, what we can say uh, is that uh, the health sector in Algeria is uh, badly, is in a very bad shape. So uh, that actually created a kind of um, a solidarity uh, that was not... Uh, provided by the state or the support that was not provided by the state. I think if I have to summarize what happened in terms of organ organizing in, uh, the Hirak, of course, the Hirak, uh, they decided uh, not to demonstrate because of the, of the COVID-19 and the threats of the COVID-19. And also because they didn't want to Be accused to be the transmitters of the <laughs> of the of the of the of the, the virus, um, and so what they did uh, in front of or in front of a, a very bad health uh, system, um, they actually most of the time, uh, specifically for middle middle classes. Uh, because they are poor. the poors are, have experienced the COVID-19 uh, differently in big cities if, uh, and, and elsewhere, not only in big cities, but also in, in particular in big cities where the neighborhoods are uh, hyper-crowded and where you cannot uh, really implement uh, the social distancing or all the, um, the, the, the advice that... Uh, Uh, are given to were given to uh, uh, the populations. So, uh, one of the major impact I would say was that the Hirak or the members of the Hirak uh, transformed themselves into um, uh, solidarity groups and sometimes solidarity like neighborhood solidarity groups that uh, helped. Uh, the most vulnerable people, specifically those who lost their jobs, uh, who couldn't, uh, who who uh, work in the informal sectors, uh, who are what we call journaliers, which means they are daily workers. Uh, they uh, they live with what they earn during the day, and so those groups, uh, those hierarchies, uh, 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 
people, members, were in, in many ways central to, uh, to the, um, the, the, the entire solidarity networks that uh, has been created. Uh, from the beginning of the uh, of the uh, the confinement, so that was uh, that for me was a very important actually uh, sign that the Hirak is continuing without demonstrating in the streets. And I think the regime or the authority uh, uh, political authorities understood that because at a certain moment. Uh, uh, there was a city called Blida, which is in a, uh, which is located in the east, uh, south of Algiers, f- 50 kilometers from Algiers, which was a kind of the center uh, uh, of the COVID. A lot of people were uh, uh, were were sick, um, and so and they closed the city. They closed this. They, the the authorities closed the cities. So what people did inside the cities, those who had uh, access to goods and foods, uh, uh, agriculture, uh, the agriculture sectors, and so on and so forth, they actually collected the goods, specifically during Ramadans, and they distributed uh, these goods to uh, the populations. But don't forget, these distributions are, of course, material distributions, but they're also kind of, I would say, has they have a political, uh, uh, they had a political connotations, saying that in a way or another, this the 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 Hirak is continuing, and the authorities actually try to block uh, these trucks, the trucks coming from other regions to help the city and so on and so forth. So the authorities, I would say, were enabled to really. Face, uh, face the 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 virus, and were kind of replaced by uh, the solidarity that emerged from the hierarchies, but also from other people. It's not only the hierarchies that uh, were active, but there were also other groups, and uh, it was like it, it was amazing to see to see that, and so. For the moment, it's like uh, it's the things are a little bit suspended, and uh, the Hirak hasn't really articulated itself or reflected upon itself to see what kind of actions they may do because the confinement is still it's still uh, uh, implemented and they cannot go beyond this kind of the 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 law, so to speak. Uh, specifically, uh, they cannot go beyond the law because of their responsibility. They feel responsible. Uh, and, and this is also amazing, not only the sense of solidarity, but also the sense of responsibility that they have uh, towards uh, their, the, their, uh, their neighbors, but also towards the other regions and to uh, the populations. Okay, in the context of Lebanon, uh, let me go back to uh, maybe December, uh, the prior to the COVID-19 um, uh, situation. So uh, the Hirak started uh, the very strong in October, then uh, it has adopted a couple of tactics and a couple of strategies. 
and definitely uh, it has weakened with time. So by the time we are talking about, let's say, December, uh, the number of protesters on, on the street has significantly diminished. It became like maximum, maximum a thousand people, I would say. But this was coupled with, with a lot of um, uh, deteriorating financial situation in Lebanon. So what happened is the, the uprising has accelerated the depreciation of the Lebanese lira. And all the, uh, all the policies that have been adopted by the central Lebanese central bank, as well as the commercial banks, which are the most powerful uh, sector in Lebanon, they are the oligarchy in Lebanon. And uh, so what they have done is they did not allow people to have access to their deposits in the banks. So maybe you have money in your bank, but you cannot withdraw your money. So uh, that has accelerated the, uh, the, the depreciation uh, of the Lebanese lira. And at the same time, there has been a lot of inflation uh, in the country, inflation of the uh, main essential uh, uh, goods, cleaning material, food, uh, uh, you name it. Like everything has increased their prices because on one hand, we have lack of imports because of the depreciation of the currency, but also there is the lack of liquidity uh, and later on, when COVID-19 started, the COVID-19 uh, total lockdown in the, uh, of the country. So before COVID-19, the movement, the 17 October uprising has already weakened. Uh, it has adopted different strategies. Uh, there has been a lot of direct action rather than have this mass mobilization and blockage of roads and total blockage of the of the country where no one can ha can go to work because they are protesting um, there has been some direct action uh, taking place and uh, um, sorry i lost okay yeah yeah sorry for that uh, so so yeah uh, and then you have the first case of covid-19 appeared in uh, uh, february 2020 that was 10 days after that we have a new government and after the new government uh, uh, has been formed. So uh, immediately, the, because of the physical distancing, because of the uh, lockdown that has been, the medical emergency that has been adopted in the country, the, there were no protests anymore. So on one hand, there was a weakening of the movement itself because of various factors. Some people want direct action, some people uh, want different strategies, and the whole, the whole movement has been weakened. And on the other hand, there has been the COVID-19 where we have a medical emergency right now and we should maintain physical distancing. Uh, what emerged from the COVID-19 is somehow similar to Algeria, where there has been a lot of solidarity groups uh, formed by the civil society, some of them that have been active participants in uh, uh, 17 uh, October uprising. 
but also at the same time, the COVID-19 led to the re-establishment, if you want, and re-solidification of the clientele system adopted by the, uh, that the political parties performed. So it was an opportunity for the political parties to go and give donation for the people in need. So we have seen branded packages of food, of cleaning materials, these brand, branded by the logo of the political party that are in power, and uh, they were given to the people in need. So if I look at COVID-19, I would say that on one hand, there were solidarity groups mainly uh, emerged from the different NGOs that were very active in the, um, in the uh, uprising, but I do not see their impact. They're very high, very high. If I need to compare them to the political parties, to what they have done, I would say that the political parties have been more influential. I just wanted to say also something. Uh, I was talking about solidarity, and and um, of course, this was uh, an amazing uh, things to talk about uh, about the positive things. But there are also uh, some kind of I would say not necessarily negative things, but there are things that we should consider, and um, they're, they're negative. Sorry. Um, so what uh, what was the impact of the COVID nineteen on the Iraq? Uh, of course, as I said, the demonstrations uh, stopped, and that was the moment, uh, like what happened in also um, uh, Lebanon, that was the moment where the regime uh, took advantage of uh, the kind of public sphere, the public space, because the public space is absolutely important uh, to uh, voicing uh, the uh, popular um, and the population claims. What did they do now that the streets are empty? Um, they started actually to arrest activists. Most of the activists or leaders or, or suspected, so to speak, to be leaders. They were uh, such as blockers, uh, Facebookers, and anyone who wrote against the, 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 against the regimes or the politics, are, uh, they're put in prison, specifically journalists doing their work. There's a, I won't name uh, the journalists because I don't want to single out one person because there are many. Uh, so um, the, the, the arrest actually started uh, in the spring, late spring 2019. And then it continued until December where the election uh, was, uh, uh, was held. And we thought that there was a kind of a pacement and then some, most of the activists who were in prison would be released. But actually it was not the case. Some of the activists and just hierarchists, not, not activists, being in the hierarchy, just walking with people, uh, were not, were released, but uh, many of them were not. Um, so, uh, so there is the problem of the arrest and, and that's, uh, that's something that actually uh, is a, uh, from my point of view, is a strategy, because uh, people and the hierarchies uh, uh, oriented all their fights and their struggles to uh, towards uh, the um, 
support of the uh, people who were in prison and kind of forget about other issues. That's one of the strategies. There is also uh, the, with, the, um, the, with the arrest of, of uh, activists, there is also the, uh, the locking up of the media and uh, specifically and, uh, uh, web media. Because as you know, in Algeria, uh, there, there, are, there is the public sector, which is a kind of the uh, uh, state, uh, it's a state uh, uh, controlled sector. And they were independent uh, televisions that were um, uh, authorized in 2013, but they are offshore televisions. Uh, and we, the, the population called them uh, the garbage televisions because they are very close to the regimes. And they do not cover, they haven't covered the, the, the demonstrations. As is the case for the public, actually, uh, sector. They didn't, cover, they didn't cover the demonstrations. So what happens for the independent uh, uh, media and mainly radio web media, such as uh, um, Le Maghreb Emergent, Interlink, Kiasa, uh, it, 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 it's, uh, these are newspapers, uh, web media newspapers as well as, as television, they, were, they are uh, blocked. We, uh, Algerians cannot uh, even listen to them or watch them. Uh, from Toronto, we can, we can of course, uh, see them, but not in Algeria. So you could see that there is a kind of uh, more and more restrictions of, uh, uh, of the uh, free uh, speech, free demonstrations, and it's it's uh, it's kind of uh, the re the political regime is more or less trying to cut the head of the of the uh, so to speak the head of the Hirak, thinking that uh, in doing that uh, the other people uh, the youth who are in the Hirak won't react. However, if we follow up in Facebook, we could see that. Uh, even if there are uh, Algerians are forbidden from criticizing uh, the regime, there there's still a lot of youth who are very much involved in the Hirak. And if they're not involved in the Hirak, they are claiming the rights despite uh, despite the bans. Uh, there are many bans, as I said, uh, media bans, but also. Uh, uh, social media bans and, and so on and so forth. So, of course, the picture is not, uh, uh, I would say, uh, not, not a transparent or clear, but you could see that there is a, if we, I can say this, there's a kind of, a kind of counter revolution uh, that is uh, 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 triggered or initiated by the, 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 by the political elites and with, of course, because partly uh, they have, they still have their clientele. And so this cl clientele is, uh, uh, is used to kind of counter all the initiatives that are, um, that are taken by uh, the people who support the Hirak. So the Hirak is now in a very, um, 
it's in clear situations. Uh, there are a lot of things happening in terms of reorganizations of politics. There are some, for example, youth leaders from the Iraq who actually decided to create politi a political party. Uh, uh, and you have also other uh, youth who decides, because it's a youth thing, uh, uh, it's a, this revolution is a youth revolution. And so other youth do not want to create any kind of uh, political initiative, because uh, uh, specifically parties, because it's, what they do is political, but political parties, because they think that the situation doesn't allow to uh, to create such um, such a such a movement, because you cannot meet, you can you are not allowed to meet, you are not allowed to converse. What's what's so there is no way to create anything that uh, can just um, help the regime to perpetuate itself and to start redistributing uh, the little reserves that they have right now. Yeah, maybe I can add here, uh, and that's also in conversation with what's ha what happened in Algeria, is that the same counter revolution by the uh, by the government by by the uh, political elite has been done here. Uh, at the beginning of the lockdown, uh, the police came to downtown Beirut and. Uh, forcibly removed the tents that are used by the uh, activists uh, to organize public forums to discuss about the uprising. And that was under the umbrella of uh, we should not allow, uh, we should be social distancing and we should not allow crowded uh, spaces. Uh, also, one thing I should uh, mention that COVID-19 did not uh, really um, uh, prohibit people from going on the streets when they really needed to. So in uh, one day, I think that was la last month or uh, in the last 45 days, there has been a real depreciation of the Lebanese lira. So currently we have the fake official one, which is fixed at $1 at 1,500 Lebanese lira. And then in one day, it reached 4,500 or 4,600, which is a lot of depreciation. So people went on the streets and they disregarded all the physical distancing that they should maintain. They disregarded all the, um, the uh, enforcement of this uh, uh, medical emergency situation. And there has been clashes between them, and there has been one martyr uh, that was in Tripoli, in one of the main cities in Lebanon. So, uh, so it would be totally unfair to say uh, that COVID-19 uh, silenced, totally silenced the, the uprising. No, the uprising is still there in different forms. So either in solidarity groups or sometimes in this sporadic protest. To think about how these uh, cases that that you refer to, that you were um, 
giving these rich details uh, about uh, how how they relate to each other. Um, how how we, can we think of these movements or these hierarchs uh, as being linked to each other, or what other references outside of uh, their respective countries do these uh, movements draw inspirations from? I think if we want to um, uh, try to see some transversal themes, although we have already a lot of transversal themes uh, here which, uh, that we uh, mentioned, I think one of them, uh, two, there are two that, for me, that stood for me. Um, one is the end of corruption. Um, because corruption actually corrupts <laughs> all the level of the the social. There is it's not it's not only the economic level where people gain uh, some advantages, economic advantages, but also uh, the 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 other uh, social levels, even in terms of uh, uh, small. Uh, little things that you need in your daily lives. For example, getting, having an ID, getting an ID. So that's, uh, the corruption is uh, quite inv invasive and pervasive and it should, this, this is what they want to, they wanted to, these groups, I think these movements want to end. The other, uh, and it's not hierarchical, I'm just uh, saying this, uh, The other point I would like to add is the the, the possibilities for the, the populations to um, participate to decision making, uh, political decision makings as well as uh, the economic decision makings. For example, even people who are very educated, we don't know what what's happening. Rana gave a lot of numbers in Algeria. We don't know. It's a uh, It's the opacity. Opacity is the is is a is a is our. I would say we face the opacity all the time. We don't know if we want to have numbers. We have the, some numbers, but those numbers are most of the time either false, uh, fake, or not uh, 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 exact. So that's the the thing. So the the corruption comes uh, with the corruption comes uh, opacity. You don't know. There is no transparency. There is we don't know where we are going. In fact, and everything is still decided uh, uh, in the above. So for me, um, uh, this the end of corruption uh, is a major claim of the of the Iraq. And not only the hierarch, also people who are not necessarily part of the hierarch. Because as I said, it's, this is a, a pervasive uh, thing that goes, touch and affects every single level of the uh, interactions. And it's important uh, because we cannot create a democracy just by changing the political regime, uh, you know, or the political structure um, Uh, uh, or um, you know institutions by changing, let's say, the parliament. If the people are corrupted, we can change all the parliament, all the people, the members. 
but we don't change the, the, the structure. The second, as I said, is the, is the end of uh, the monopoly of, uh, of the, the political monopoly. And that's, I think, very important because people want to, they, they want to, to take part of the, the, the decision makings. And this is not only a question of Algeria or, Liba, or Lebanon or, um, uh, or, or let's say Morocco, but it's also uh, a question that uh, uh, concerns all the, 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 the countries of the region. Um, uh, in Tunisia, for example, uh, people are fighting against this opacity, actually. I have seen recently uh, a, a, a parliamentary uh, dis, uh, discourse or speech given by a, uh, by an, uh, by a, a, a deputy who uh, accused the president of the, uh, of the assembly, who is, uh, the, uh, who is the, the chair of the of the political party. I don't want to name them. People who are interested, they just can go there because my example is not against one party or the other, but to show that in Tunisia, despite the fact that they have been going through very important phases, through stages, very important changes, this opacity is still, uh, is still in, place, in, in place and it's still uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's played out uh, at different levels, and so, so the the fight for these uh, countries is specifically to go beyond to try to fight the 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 this opacity and to make things as much transparent as possible. Of course, this uh, this uh, transparency is not uh, going to be uh, implemented tomorrow. It's a it's a, a struggle. Uh, road. It's not something that just happened in a minute, and and with it comes uh, would, would would come the consciousness of being represented, not only uh, not only uh, 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 in a, in a fake way, but being a truly represented. And truly represented means that if you are not happy with the decision, you can you can change it. And that's, uh, uh, I, don't think, I don't think it's a dream. It's not a dream. It's a possibility for these uh, countries. And they are doing their, the people are doing the, they're, they're struggling. But I, I also have to say something, what the Hirak actually showed is the, uh, uh, is really the politics of neocolonialism played by other countries. Uh, even for me, who is a, a kind of specialist, so to speak, a specialist who knows about neocolonialism, but the Hirak really showed that the interests of uh, other countries, such as the U.S. and France, Britain, are so and Spain, uh, are so uh, important that they didn't, they haven't opened their mouths when it came when it came to uh, support. Uh, support democratic claims and so it's not it's not only internal or regional but also it's linked to the other 
uh, neo-colonial interests uh, in the region. And these uh, neo-colonial interests in the region are so strong that sometimes uh, uh, it, it needs more than, uh, uh, I would say, a Hirak. It needs a, 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 a very strong uh, change, a very strong uh, revolution. And I think people, some people in the Hirak are aware about this, uh, the, the moment, I would say, of the Hirak and uh, the, the capacity of the Hirak to at least bring some changes in the, in the context of, uh, of Algeria. Maybe I will uh, start where uh, Ratiba ended. Um, uh, first, I would like to highlight one point that when I'm talking about the uprising of 17 October and the activists that emerged and later on that continue and they call themselves activists, uh, are not really united under one specific demand. Uh, like the, the main demand here is which means all of them means all of them. But what does that mean, literally? Some of them, they say we need a total uh, uh, collapse of the sectarian regime. Well, yeah, this is definitely a revolutionary uh, demand. Uh, some of them, they touch upon only uh, socioeconomic um, situation and they need some reforms. Some others, they need revolution and so on. So I do not look at the current uh, uprising that has definitely weakened uh, as one uh, homogenous body. Uh, it has been... Un, uh, it has been hijacked by some of the political, uh, uh, some of the political parties that have their interest with uh, with the uh, uh, imperial powers. So, and that has been refused by many voices in the uprising themselves. So, two days ago, there has been a, a huge uh, mobilization for. Uh, for a protest in the country, and there has been violent protests with clashes and uh, people that have been uh, injured and so on. Many of the voices and the groups of the 17 October uh, Hirak or uh, Intifada, they, uh, they alienated themselves from this uh, uh, call to, uh, to do the protest because they thought that uh, many of the uh, many of the voices before yesterday were serving the interest of the imperial powers. So uh, back to your question. So that's why in, in Lebanon it's very very complicated. So on one hand you do have the corruption, you do have the socioeconomic situation, and you really need to fight all of these and all the new liberal policies that have been adopted. On the second hand, you really need to take into consideration that, uh, that, the, that any uprising should not be hijacked by imperial powers to serve their own interest, especially in the context where we, where Lebanon is at the borders with Israel and there's this continuous, um, uh, continuous attacks from Israel on us, like just, three or four days ago when they want to bomb Syria, they just go 
through the lands of Lebanon, they bomb Syria and come back. So this is just important to see, to highlight, to see how complicated the situation is in Lebanon. Uh, back to your question, I would say that definitely one main um, one main uh, uh, result of the uprising that I can see also in many of the uprisings, uh, in the, whether in the Arab world, Mediterranean region, or other places, is the expansion of the of the public sphere, and uh, where we had a lot of public forums. Uh, in tents organized uh, in the public uh, just uh, under it can be under a tree it can be in a in a tent where just people gather and they discuss a specific topic that was very interesting to follow and very um, um, very promising to look that that people especially young people are coming to really educate themselves to express their ideas and to um, to see what alternative we can provide. And uh, another thing that uh, uh, that needs to be highlighted is the creation of this new space, uh, a new political space for the young people who do not want, who do not conceptualize politics as being affiliated with political parties. For them, politics can be the everyday, something that Ratiba works on. Uh, and I think uh, I think Ratiba wrote about wrote about it as well. It is in the everyday. It is on on the way I go to the university and uh, the roads I need to walk on in order to reach the university. It is my the everyday practices. It's not only affiliation with specific political parties or with the voting. Um, I I just want to add on uh, uh, Rana's. Uh, 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 public public sphere expansion or the expansion of public sphere. I really like that, Rana. Um, uh, uh, partly because I think this expansion uh, is uh, has a temporality, right? Uh, we cannot go back to uh, uh, the different types of protests in in the region. Um, but uh, we can say that all those protests uh, have actually participated to this uh, uh, expansion of public sphere. Um, what is interesting in the Iraq, as you said, is um, the, 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 the forums that were created during the Iraq. But um, I would say that uh, the Iraq is not necessarily the, the only the moment where this uh, uh, this forums were created. For example, during the uh, uh, the unemployed uh, movement in two thousand and thirteen, or even uh, during the protest against against um, uh, uh, gas uh, gas or gas. Uh, gas. Um, so uh, please please correct this, okay? <laughs> when you work on this, uh, so. In, in southern Algeria, there was those places called Sahata uh, Sumut, right? Uh, places of resistance or solidarity resistance at the same time to, to kind of translate this, uh, that were transformed, so to speak, during the Hirak, the different Hiraks here, 
the Hirak in uh, in Algeria, but also the Hirak in, Liba in Lebanon, uh, into uh, places, as you said, uh, education, not only youth. Uh, what, as, what was interesting in the uh, Hirak in Algeria was that, uh, as I said, it's a youth movement, but there were a lot of, uh, uh, I would say, adults, uh, Parents, grandparents, even you could see a grand uh, grandparents with their with their uh, grandchildren, uh, and it was something that was new, and actually, sorry, and it was uh, uh, even mentioned by people who participated to the demo to the demonstrations. So there was this uh, this kind of uh, education process. Um, uh, uh, also, uh, kind of raising consciousness, uh, discussing about things that were not uh, discussed, that were hidden, or they were not that were not possible to discuss because the the public sphere, the spaces, the public spaces were not uh, open. So those uh, there were amazing discussions and there were amazing forums. Uh, such as art uh, forums uh, organized by uh, artists, uh, but not only artists, uh, even professors, uh, uh, young people uh, in the in the popular neighborhoods. I have uh, uh, witnessed, for example, seen uh, those uh, uh, forums uh, in, of course, Facebook uh, that were actually uh, uh, broadcast in, in Facebook were uh, youth from uh, uh, from uh, working class neighbor neighborhood if we translate working class in this ways but it's kind of what we call I call them popular neighborhoods and those popular neighborhoods uh, have actually were uh, one of the uh, the basis of the 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 Hirak. so the forums were uh, places where people not only discussed about the problems their claims but also about history the 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 hidden figures of the revolutions the ways in which the revolution was uh uh corrupted and transfigured and the ways in which we they they they, they could uh reenact reenacted uh in the hirak uh and so there was a kind of the connections that uh, these people uh, wanted to create between the beginning of the fight against the French and uh, and the, I would say, the end or the beginning of the fight against uh, the, the elite and the political regime, a corrupted political regime. So that, that this was like a, a, a kind of forums where there is a re reappropriation of history, and uh, you told me this, uh, Rana, that there was uh, there was a kind of uh, discussion about what happened. Why we? Why did you? Why did we forget about this? Why that happened? Uh, those things, uh, those events happened. We non we don't know about those events. So it's very interesting to see that uh, uh, that the forums were also places where people don't uh, discuss, of course, about uh, their claims, uh, uh, but uh, that is, for example, as I said, uh, uh, the end of corruption, the, 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 the participation to um, 
decision making, but also how to reappropriate uh, the his- our history. It's 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 amazing how I was like I, I was amazed by the the parallel between a kind of decolonization, decolonization from France, and now decolonizations from this elite. We don't. This is what they were saying. We don't need that elite anymore. We want to be. Uh, we want to be free. Uh, free. And in the the slogans, actually, it's like "Hurriya, Hurriya," which means liberty uh, or freedom, right? It's this, exactly the same times, the same things that uh, were Algerians were were uh, shouting in 1962, 1961, uh, specifically in July 1962 when they gained their independence. And though the people we, we, we are asking during the Iraq, al uh, uh, uh you know, freedom, that that was something that I thought uh, could be related to the expansion of public sphere. Ratiba Rana, thank you very much indeed for the incredibly rich accounts you've given of your uh, of the ongoing situation in each of your uh, countries and. It was incredibly informative and also very inspiring. Thank you very much. Thanks to you for listening. For more information, visit our website urbanpolitical.podigy.io Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter.